it's important to have a vision and an idea for your future and not to be intimidated by what everybody else is doing. If you have an idea or a vision or a goal in mind and you're not sure that you're going to be able to do it because, you know, you know, there's a conventional way of doing things. There's a cookie cutter way of doing things. I really encourage you to try and like destroy that limiting belief and try to step out of that. Well, hello there. It's Dr. Nicoletta with the Millennial Doc Podcast. I'm a physician, dermatologist, lifestyle entrepreneur, mama in medicine, and confidence success strategist. Each week, I'll bring you inspiring guests, lifestyle, relationship, and business tips to help you consistently take action, act confident, and live an abundant life. Step out with confidence and get ready. Hey, Dr. Rami Webby. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. How's it going? Hey, Nicoletta. It's a pleasure to be here. It's going well. It's going well. I just got settled into my new place in Boston or just outside of Boston and transitioning residencies right now and, you know, chilling. It's good. Awesome. Yay. I'm excited to hear your story and what you're all passionate about and that you have a podcast too. So before we get started, just going to shoot a few rapid fire questions. Some of my listeners can get to know you. So let's get started. Ready? Sure. Let's do it. All right. Where did you grow up? So I am from Metro Detroit. I generally, when someone asks me this question, I'll say Detroit, Michigan, but I'm actually from a small, decently sized town called Dearborn, Michigan, Dearborn Heights, Michigan. I grew up there, was born and raised there. It's a very multicultural, diverse city, mainly Middle Eastern, large Muslim American community, and very close-knit community. And I'm very proud and happy to be from that area. I think I grew up with a very unique experience. And that was kind of my upbringing. I later went on to do my undergraduate degree at Michigan State University. So I lived in East Lansing for a bit. Then I went to medical school at Michigan State University. So I was kind of like a super Spartan. So I spent a lot of time in East Lansing and then had a bit of a unique journey that we can probably talk about if you ever want, if you want to get into that and got into family medicine and and now I'm starting my second residency. Well, starting after my intern year. Awesome. You know, I'm from the Midwest, Ohio. So we got a little rivalry, right? OSU. You're a hot, oh, God. I, we have to end this interview now. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, hey. I'm like, anything but Ohio State, please. Right, right. No worries. <laughs> we can talk about the Detroit Pistons and the Cavaliers. Yeah, right. Okay, I'm cool with that. I'm okay. cool with the Cavs, too. Yeah, good, good. So you said you're currently in Massachusetts, right? How long have you been there, really? You just so moved? I just yeah, I just got settled in about three days ago. So on Wednesday, it's actually a funny story. So my last day of my internship at my previous program was on Tuesday. Finished around four or five p.m. Drove eight or nine hours all the way out here, and got here at like four a.m. And then started my orientation at nine a.m. that same day. So that is the life of a resident. <laughs> Yep. Yep. I slept for an hour and a half, <laughs> got dressed, showered, and went straight into orientation. I'm like, listen, guys, I apologize if I look like a zombie. <laughs> but I was actually, you know, it was there's so such a good positive energy, you know, from the people around me and from the program. And I was so excited to be here. I felt like I didn't even need to sleep. But I, I caught up. I caught up now. Cool. Are you yeah. you're in Boston or right? Yeah, I'm in so we're in I'm in Worcester. 
okay. uh, at, at UMass Medical School as part of the residency program here. So it's about 45 minutes to an hour outside of Boston. And uh, it's also a pretty big city. It's also a really, really nice city. It's actually, from what I've heard, it's a sanctuary city. So the, the patient population here is really diverse. They have a lot of refugees, people who are immigrants. It's just like there's like 80, people speak like 80 to 100 different languages. And so it's really, really cool. That's one of the things that really drew me here when I was looking for to transfer residencies. Amazing. What is your favorite quote? Favorite quote? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've got, I'll tell you the one that's on my screensaver right now. And this is one that I've had on here for a very long time. It is, our ability to handle life's challenges is a measure of our strength of character. Les Brown. And the reason I put that quote on here is because last year, I went through a pretty difficult time. You know, I talk about, I've shared on my social media a lot about my individual story and, you know, some of the trials and tribulations that you go through as a, res- as a medical student and then as a resident as well. And I think uh, for, this, for this quote, it's kind of, you know, made me realize when things are going bad, your ability to handle them gracefully or to stay positive and to stay, you know, moving forward in those really tough times is very important. And it's really important never to lose sight of that and to kind of see it as a challenge, see it as an opportunity to grow because you won't get, you'll get a handful of those opportunities in life the way I see it. So when you're going through a very difficult time, use it as an opportunity to grow, see it as a challenge, see it as a stepping stone, as a chance for you to grow because the times you really grow are in those really hard situations are in those really tough times. And so when I came across this quote, it really resonated with me. Definitely. What is one of your superpowers? My superpowers? Whoa, okay. I say one of my superpowers from one of, I guess I'll go with from some of the feedback I get, the most positive feedback I get would be, you know, my, I guess kind of my ability to kind of just, you know, break the ice with people really quick communicate very well with people. I think that's probably one of my strengths and putting myself in people's shoes, being able to see the other side of things, kind of like not swaying too much to one side or the other, but kind of keeping an unbiased view on things. I'd say that's maybe one of them. I don't know. I can shave my head in less than a minute. And that's another <laughs> superpower. I don't know. Cool. No, that's awesome. What is one of your favorite non-medical books you last read? Oh, that's a good one. So I really like, of course, the Napoleon Hill books, you know, the classics, Think and Grow Rich. There's actually one book. It's called, it's kind of a weird one. It's called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. This is like a a book he wrote, I think in the 30s. It might have been in the 1930s. And then it came out like 70 years later. It's interesting. It's a little kind of, you know, out there, but, and it's not really, it doesn't really have to do with an actual devil, but it's kind of a neat story. Is it about money or what is the book about? No, it's about basically positive and negative and how that plays into everything in your life. You know, how he talks about, you know, things that cause you to drift and things that cause you to lose focus in life. You know, the main things that keep people, that hold people back in life. And he, it comes at things from a, it's not your typical like self-helpy kind of book. It comes at things from a different angle and it, it kind of gives you an, an observership of like 
the shortcomings that you might be see, having in your life. And it shows you how other people are having those same shortcomings. And so it kind of just opens your mind to, to say, oh, am I doing this in my life? Am I kind of like drifting in, in these certain areas of my life? And it talks about, you know, like your higher self and how to reach that. And really kind of things that I think are interesting to learn about. I'm not like too self-help book driven because some of it gets repetitive and not my style. I, w- I was into it for a little bit and I just kind of was like, this is too repetitive and too rah-rah woo-woo for me. And this is one that kind of like was a little different. So I liked it. Cool. And, um, one other book I'd say, there's this book by Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. I've really enjoyed reading it. I thought that was a good one too. 12 Rules for Life? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Who is someone that has changed your life? Someone that has changed my life, my mom. Well, she gave me life and changed my life, but probably my mom. Who else? I'd say as a, are you talking more of like a mentor or a role model? Anyone in your life. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, go with that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what is one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far? My favorite accomplishment so far, it's definitely hands down got to be when I actually matched into residency because for those that don't know my story, I'll give you a brief background. So when I initially applied to physical medicine and rehab specialties, right, as, a, as, as part of the match, and I did end up matching. And so for a while, I kind of had a up and down, you know, struggle with figuring out what am I going to do? What do I want to do with my life? Blah, 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 yada, yada. And I found myself in a kind of difficult situation because I was unmatched. I didn't have a residency position. You know, I'm 300K in debt after finishing medical school. I have a doctor degree, but I don't have anything to show for it yet. And so through, after finally realizing what I, coming up with a plan and figuring out what I wanted to do, I decided I wanted to go down the family medicine route. And, you know, at the time I thought I'd do maybe sports medicine or something of the like. And so I had to, during that time, I spent about three or four weeks calling programs every single day around the country. I must have called and emailed maybe somewhere between four and 600 programs during that time and got rejected hundreds of times until I could finally find a residency program that was unfilled. So when I finally came across the uh, few programs that I did and got it to work out. It was a huge relief. And it was a time that most people would have given up and where a lot of the advice that I was given was to take a year off and give up and just try again the next year and, you know, do a research year or do something like that. And for me, I held on to the belief and blocked everybody else's opinions out. And I was really, I'm actually really proud of myself for not listening to anybody and just blocking all of that, you know, all of that completely out. I was totally delusional. And I was, in a way, I was a little bit delusional, but I was convinced that I would find a spot and that, you know, ultimately, you know, get in somewhere and start my residency. And I did just that. And so that's probably my favorite one. That's very inspiring. So that was after uh, like post-match, kind of in the post-match. So it's still during fourth year, right? Yeah. So this is uh, uh, my fourth year of medical school. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, I think my listeners know a little bit about my story too, because I didn't match first time when I applied to Durham. And then I kind of had that same, didn't listen to anyone. I was laser focused in my narrow lane and kind of reapplied and didn't take a research year, but did all I could. And 
just had the faith and believed and just just did it and then yeah following year so yeah people some people get in some people like when i was like you like you said something important like laser focus like that's what it was it was laser focus there's nothing that could take my eye off the target and you know like sometimes you need to be in that zone to really accomplish things and i find myself you know when it's when your back's against the wall and you 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 know like you have a lot to prove it kind of brings that out of you yep totally mm. And lastly, what are you grateful for today? So I'm, you know, I wake up every day thanking God to just for being healthy, for having, a, you know, another chance at life and for having, uh, you know, the health of my friends and family and, you know, keeping that, that just that gratitude that every day, you know, it's, you're lucky to be, be alive and you're lucky to have the opportunities that you've been given because some of us like to think we're self-made, but really... Um, if it wasn't for all of the things that we've been given either from our families or the things we were born into, like, you know, like our socioeconomic status or, you know, our ability to get an education. And then also us being like the 1% of the world population that actually can, can actually get a decent education here. I think keeping that in perspective really keeps me grounded and grateful. So I try to remind myself of that as much as possible. That's awesome. Excellent. All right. Well, I would just love to get to know more about the timeline of when you actually decided to become a physician and kind of your backstory on that. Was there a mentor in your family? When did you kind of decide and also just kind of take me on that journey? Yes. Yeah, so for me, it's, it wasn't really like the typical, I don't have, besides my uncle who's a dentist, there's nobody in my family who's a doctor or who, you know, like had, I had aspired to be like. I was kind of in the beginning inspired by my uncle as a dentist, you know, growing up, I used to go to his clinic and, you know, see that he'd have a, a cool fish tank in the lobby and that he was taking care of his community and that he's well-respected. And I th always thought that was really cool. And I thought, you know, I really want to be like that one day. I really want to be able to have that kind of impact. I want to fish tank in my lobby too, damn it. And I thought that was cool. So as I, you know, graduated high school, I shadowed my uncle and I was like, uh, is there another way I can have a fish tank in my lobby, like doing something else? And so I guess a part of it was the entrepreneur part and being able to have your own practice and take care of people. And part of it was the service too. So I found, you know, I was always really into sports. I played football. I was injured all the freaking time. I was like this 140 pound guy in high school playing wide receiver or cornerback safety or safety <laughs> and kick return. So I was injured every other, like every other week, spending all my time in the doctor's office, tore my meniscus and my PCL and wow. yeah, my right knee's really messed up. So uh, I spent a lot of time in the orthopedic office and with uh, sports medicine doctors. And so that was my, really my introduction to medicine. And I had a buddy of mine who's a couple years older than me, who's kind of like a, someone I looked up to. He had went into medical school and kind of, he kind of, you know, led the route for me, kind of sparked that interest for me. So around like second year of college, I said, you know, I was already taking the biology classes thinking I might do dentistry or something. And around that time, I thought, you know, I was really interested in the DO school at Michigan State University. So I transferred to Michigan State University, completed my undergrad there, and acquainted with a lot of the people in the medical school. I tried to get involved with kind of like the sports, the sports clinic and things like that. And things evolved from there. And yeah, that was kind of the start of it. 
That's awesome. So basically horrible injuries to you in football sort of led you to, you know, orthopedic doctors, sports medicine doctors. And that's kind of where, is that something that you want to pursue? I know in family medicine, is that where you want to go with afterwards? So I have an interest in it. And I think that's the interesting thing. I went in with one intention and it's totally evolved as I've gone through it. I went in purely with the sole intention of doing orthopedic surgery and that's all I had wanted to do. And then as I went through medical school, I was like, you know, I'm not really that, I'm not that excited about working in a hospital all day. And, you know, I'm more, you know, there's that entrepreneur in me that wants to kind of go out and build something and create something. And so that didn't really align with surgery for me. So I knew I had to choose another field that would still align with my goals and allow me to do the things that I want to do down the line. So I saw sports medicine, it's possible. It can, you know, further the entrepreneurial spirit and take care of people. And of course, I really have a, I have a great interest in like sports injuries and helping people recover. And I also didn't realize this until this year, but I really enjoyed primary care this year. I really enjoy family medicine and kind of just getting people healthy and being able to not only, you know, play sports, but just play life to have a life, to have a good quality of life. And so that's where my transition is also kind of going into integrative medicine and into finding like these alternative ways to help people live, you know, really extraordinary lives and help people live really healthy lives. And that's where my interest is sort of shifting now. And of course, sports medicine, you know, I'm really interested in kind of like longevity and how we can preserve our, you know, as someone who's had uh, knee injuries, how can you better preserve your joints? How can you better help your body last or go into into old age. And I think I, I have a bit of interest in, in, in that as well. Yeah, so that's kind of like the evolution of my journey. <laughs> that's awesome. So tell me a bit about like, first of all, can you get your integrative medicine? Is that a like a certificate, a degree or what? And can you do that during residency and also outside like after you're done? Like what's the process yeah. of doing that? Yeah. So the Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine, uh, which is founded by Dr. Andrew Weil, is a, a really cool program to kind of learn about this. You can visit their website, Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine.com or AZCIM, I believe is the, is the abbreviations. And that's a good place to learn more. Uh, so basically, there's a few different opportunities. There is a thousand hour online coursework that you can do while you're in residency training. A lot of times your program will pay for you to go through that coursework. I believe it's a year. It's like a year coursework you can do where it gives you like integrative principles that you can incorporate into your practice and into the way you're seeing patients. And then they also offer a two-year fellowship that you can do after you finish residency. So once you finish residency, you can apply to their, through their program or to their program and complete their coursework and you'll be board certified in integrative medicine as well. So a lot of practitioners, whether it be primary care, I'm sure there's some dermatologists as well. And I've seen other specialists as well do kind of like the integrative approach. And basically what they teach you is how to treat the person as a whole and how to use alternative therapies, how to dissect someone's, there's a lot of behavioral health involvement, very holistic process, very holistic methodology. And to be honest, I think it's probably going to be the future of medicine and the future way medicine is just practiced in general, okay. at least primary care. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so can, so you're saying that you could get board certified in it, but also is there an option of like a certificate in it or is it actually like if you do those hours, you also have to afterwards go do those two years of fellowship? Yeah. So when you, the coursework you do during residency, it's a one that's not for board certification. That's just for certification. So you can complete that and still have an, a, a good grasp on integrative medicine principles. And I'm not sure which route I'm going to go down, cool. but for now I'm probably, I'll be starting hopefully the integrative course this year. That's awesome. So yep. do you know how that's different than I've been looking into functional medicine? Similar, very similar approaches. And they're also holistic and they're focused more on like food therapies and using food as medicine. And, you know, it's a lot, it's, there's a lot of overlap with these alternative, I guess, lifestyle medicine specialties, I guess. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. So tell me a bit about kind of your, what are your entrepreneurial dreams, you know, and adventures in the future? What are, what are you thinking of? Oh yeah, this I love this. So something that I'm really right now really interested in is kind of like this whole movement of direct primary care, which is basically membership-based medicine, membership-based practice, value-based medicine, also term. And it's basically, you know, kicking out the insurance-based system that medicine has been intertwined in for, you know, since the beginning of Western medicine. And uh, what we're finding now is that it brings much more value to the individual and to the physician because you pay a low monthly fee every month and you don't have to get full spectrum insurance coverage. You ultimately are able to get much better care for the amount of dollars that, are, that you are putting forward every year. And it ultimately leads to better outcomes because you are getting more investment from your physician and the cost to healthcare is incrementally less. I did this post the other day on, you know, the average cost of like a CBC, a BMP, and a TSH, which are just very routine lab tests that we order in insurance-based practice. They can run, you know, anywhere $400 to $500 that they're being billed for in the insurance-based model. And if you do this in the direct primary care-based model, which is at-cost medications and labs because we use third-party organizations like Quest or things like that, you can get these tests for less than $30 altogether. And there's this huge gap between between what we're what we can get something for and charge and, and bill for and what the actual cost for that thing is. The same thing with MRI scans and the insurance-based model, you can pay anywhere up to thirty-five hundred dollars for an MRI. You can do it through a diagnostic center, through a membership-based practice for a fraction of that, maybe two hundred dollars. And you know. The, we got to start thinking about medicine in ways of how much value we are bringing and cost is going to become much more relevant. And so these are some, some things and some problems that I'm really interested in solving and help solve. And, you know, ultimately my goal would be to help physicians, you know, practice medicine in the way they want to practice and bring that vision to life. I really work with uh, the integrative, with the direct primary care model for myself and for others and how that plays out. I'm not sure yet. I do have some ideas that I'm excited about and I'm looking forward to start working on after my training. I don't know. So that, that's kind of like my kick right now, health innovation, how we can bring better practices to medicine and 
that's what really excites me at this point. That's awesome. We need young innovators who are thinking like that and then more and then collaborate with others who mm-hmm. will also, you know, help in you as well. So do you think that that's just for like in your mind, prime, like primary care specialties or could it be for like more like specialties? It could. So it could, there are, there's this one practice somewhere in Texas, which is using it for, which is, which has an entire membership based practice system revolving around this idea of membership-based practice where they have all the subspecialists within that practice. So there is a potential for it to become where it can be, you can have specialists also integrated into this model. It would be, it works best at this point, I think for primary care because everybody needs primary care to some degree. So it does work best for this model, but there is definitely opportunities for other subspecialties, dermatology, of course, there are definitely opportunities. And for each specialty, it, it's probably, you know, the model is going to be a little bit different, I'm assuming. So, well, but yeah. I'm excited for the future. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited too. I'm uh, like, this like keeps me up at night sometimes because I'm, I'm really, really interested in how far this could go and how much people and how much it could help, you know, our economy mm-hmm. and how much it could help people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I want to talk to you more about your podcast. So I read that you were an avid podcast listener yourself prior to starting your own. Tell me when you started yours, what was your mission behind starting yours? And then what it takes for you, especially whether you were a med student when you started or resident, what it really takes for you to be consistent with it? Because we all know that, I mean, in med school or even in residency, you feel like you don't have time for anything outside, but if it's your passion, you will make time for it. So tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So my podcast is called Beyond Medicine. And I started it in my fourth year of medical school. And basically, for me, the, the reason I started it was because I was, you know, already on social media at this point, And I was seeing all of this clutter, and a lot of this information that was being spread by people who weren't necessarily, I wouldn't say credible sources. I'll leave it at that. So I saw this information out there and people putting out, you know, podcast episodes and yada, yada. And I said, why isn't there? Why, why, you know, I'm surrounded by all these, you know, incredibly intelligent people, all these doctors, all these, you know, thought leaders, experts on subject X, Y, Z. Why, why aren't they out there putting their content out there? Why aren't they spreading their message? And I said, you know, I want to be a facilitator. I want to be able to help get that expertise out there to the world. And said, how can I do that? Well, here I am, young doctor to be at this point. And, you know, I have my own perspective on medicine. And I thought, well, I guess I'm good at talking to people. So I might as well, you know, do something with that. So I started a podcast. And it was called Beyond Medicine. And I chose Beyond Medicine because I also should say, you know, I'm into like the things that are you know, I'm not necessarily totally subscribed to the traditional medicine model, right? So uh, things that are beyond medicine to me would be like integrated medicine, functional medicine, you know, thinking outside the box, you know, new ways of trying things, innovation. And so I wanted something that could encompass, you know, my, my, my feelings towards my aspirations and that. So that was where Beyond Medicine was born. I started connecting with these people who were doing things like direct primary care, people who who had written books on certain subjects. And I was kind of like, you know, really trying to push the edge. I was trying to like, you know, push things 
I was trying to get out of like, get people out of the comfort zone of what they think, you know, what traditional medicine is. And I wanted to be, I wanted to bring on people who had something interesting to talk about and who had, when I, when, when we talk, you know, like I didn't want to bring on the, the Harvard cardiologist that's going to come on and, you know, very educated guy, but you know, like I don't want to bore the audience to sleep. I want people that can come on and talk passionately about what they're doing and talk with some, you know, in a conversational way, in a way that's going to be engaging. And I wanted, I kind of had this idea. I want to make my listeners feel like they're sitting at the table right next to me here and here and that they're a part of the conversation. And so like I had this idea of like what I wanted it to be. And so I used that to kind of drive my vision for beyond medicine. And it's funny when I first started out, I had like these cutouts of like three stick figures and I set them at the tables while I was doing my conversation because I, I made them represent who was listening. And so I wanted them, I wanted to, while I, while I was doing these conversations, I wanted, I wanted to be, you know, remember like, Hey, there's people right here sitting and they're listening. And so that was kind of where beyond medicine was born. And I guess to, to answer the second part of your question is, you know, how do you find the time to do this? You know, I, I did this, you know, surprisingly while I had no time while I was trying to figure out this is, you know, I was about to launch the podcast right before the match. And that's when I found out I didn't match. And so I had all these things going and, you know, got struck with that. This got put on the back burner for a little bit and I had to focus in on getting into res, get it, get into residency for a while. Then once I got in, I was all back into, you know, furthering the podcast. And so for me, a lot of people after medical school, you know, were going on vacations and were going to, you know, the Bahamas and Europe and things like that. I took that $1,700 that I had saved up and I poured it all into the podcast. I didn't go anywhere. So I sat in my uncle's office back home for like two weeks right before starting residency and just working to get this thing kicked off. And bought all the equipment, got the website up, bought $500 worth of t-shirts to kind of promote the podcast. And I just gave them out to people. I started giving them, I was sending them out to influencers, people that I was friends with on social media and just sending them out, say, Hey, you know, help me promote this podcast, help me get people to listen, help. And you know, that was really important because when I got the support of people, people started buying in and it helped me reinforce the brand. And it also helped me, you know, just build better relationships with people. And so that's, you know, like, that's how it started. I just went all in on it. That's awesome. You know, and it's exceptional idea. And not only that, like you're a true entrepreneur working hard at times where it's the least inconvenient, but that's kind of what it takes, you know, and even at the hardest time in your life, you know, after fourth year, I mean, I didn't match. And I also had to, I couldn't I remember everyone was going their last month places prior to graduation. And I just, I had to like write research, do anything that I could to like change my resume and make it like beefed up and better for the next year. Cause I was so in my lane and I don't care what anyone else is doing, just like mm-hmm. you were, you know, so that's really admirable. So thank you. And- thank you. Yeah, I think that's part of like, just, you know, I think sometimes you just if you have some like for me, this was just more exciting than going to Europe, you know, at the, at the time. So it didn't really feel like I just knew I had to, I knew if I didn't do that before starting residency, I was never going to do it. So I knew I had those two weeks It's either I get this thing off the ground running and smooth and well-oiled machine because it also took me building a team to help me with this. So I had to build a team and I had pre-meds help and I should, I have to give a lot of credit to my team that helps me with the podcast 
right now, especially as it's progressed through the last year, I have, you know, really awesome pre-med and medical students that are helping me and, you know, are a huge part of the podcast. So I have to give a lot of credit to them because without them, it's honestly not possible to do it. Oh, totally. Yeah. You, yeah. you need a team. At <laughs> least start yeah. small and then get larger later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what is your definition of, I mean, you talked a bit about your other passions, but what's an exceptional life look like to you in medicine? That's a really great question. For me, I would say an exceptional life would be, you know, taking the risks that I want to take early in my career and going after, you know, those really, really big ambitions that I have and going after them full force, fail or not fail, you know, at least trying and, you know, trying to make an impact and, you know, affect people's lives for the better. And I guess, you know, family for me, of course, is a big one to lead an exceptional life and, you know, being a well-rounded person. And I guess I'll answer it that way for now. Yeah, incredible. So, I mean, it just it seems like based on our conversation that you just didn't want to go with what kind of the traditional, conventional, you know, no, every step, will, everyone knows, intermediary, no. do this, this yeah. and that, you know, you kind of wanted to, I don't know, just be different and be innovative. Yeah. It's just not even that I wanted to be. It's just that it suffocates me not to be like that. Totally, so. totally. I agree. <laughs> me too. <Yeah. laughs> so if it wasn't for the podcast, you know, having the actual work made my intern year bearable. It made things easier for me because I had this creative outlet and I had at least somewhere to direct that energy. And yeah, like I would totally feel suffocated without having that ability or that creativity or that, you know, like that's, that's a part of me that feels like, oh man, I've, I'm definitely like when I hear entrepreneurs talk and they talk about these things, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's hundred percent me. I definitely feel like there's that part of me that needs to exercise that. Yeah. And don't dim that light, you know, like exactly. take it out. <laughs> yep, yep, so whether, whether it be now or in the future, or what are, what are different ways that you aspire to have different cash flow as a physician, whether it be, you know, entrepreneurial or like some, something outside of medicine, anything that you're. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think money and medicine are really important. It's really good to have a good grasp on money. And I'll admit, I'll be the first person who was not exactly the best with managing my money early on in my 20s, you know, going out, spending money indiscriminately, not looking at like, you know, budgets or putting money to invest or things like that. And of course you go, you know, as physicians, we are, you know, going through school for a long time. We got student loans. The last thing we're thinking about is what we're investing in and what kind of streams of income we're going to have. We think at the end of the day, we're going to have a job and it's going to pay our bills and we're going to make enough money to retire and all that. That's increasingly becoming not the case because student loans are much, much higher than they used to be. Interest rates are disgustingly high. And salaries are not really growing by that much if you're going to work for a hospital or, you know, things like that. So I think you have to be much more thoughtful about where you're going to put your money and how you want to put it to good use. For me, my... I guess what I listen to and what I try to learn about right now is kind of just, you know, index funds, putting in a little bit of money to 
you know, just let that money grow over time. I think that's really important, compound interest over long periods of time. Just having, if you have a 401k option at your residency program or at work, and if they're going to match that, I think most programs or most job places will match up to 6%. You should take those options because over time, over 30 years, that money is going to seriously compound and it's going to mean something in in the future, even though it won't mean something right now to you. Also, one of the things I'm really starting to learn about is like real estate and real estate investing. My family's all in Detroit. It's an up and coming city. That's going to be a big opportunity in the future. So I definitely want to get involved in that in the future. You know, I think it's important to to have a good budget set aside every paycheck, you know, make sure something's good, like, you know, having systems set up where you're not thinking about it. So like for me, when I get a paycheck, there's an automatic amount that goes into two or three different savings accounts, you know, like. You know, I have X amount going into my savings. I have X amount going into a travel fund and I have X amount going into an investment fund. And so I take that out of every single check that I get. And then the rest I'm budgeting through my living expenses and things like that. And then anything that I'm making through the business and through the podcast, that's hundred percent getting reinvested into the business and into the podcast and helping us grow. And that leads to more opportunities, more help, ability to grow the team, ability to reach more people and things like that. And so, you know, of course it's important, like you should be financially educated. You should read books on, you know, on how to use your money and how to make your money work for you, how to not be a slave to money. And if you're thinking you're just going to become a doctor and at the end of the day, you're going to be making so much money, you're not going to have to worry about that you're wrong. You do have to think about it. And, you know, you're going to meet if some people, you know, like if you're in a highly specialized field, you will make a, you know, dermatology, you're going to make great money, but you're going to also need to be knowing how to put your money to use. So it's working for you. And the earlier you put it to use to work for you, the better, because you have the power of time and compounding interest. Definitely. Have you read any of, or what are your like two favorite, I don't know, go-to financial money book? Have you done any of Dave Ramsey's things? Some of what you said you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, One that I really like for beginners is I I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I know it's got a cheesy, sleazy name to it, but it's by Remit Sethi. I think I read that book and I was like, this is perfect for kind of like the beginner doctor, medical student to really, you know, listen, read and at least understand the basics. You know, like, you know, if you have credit card debt, how do you pay that off? What's the best way to pay it off? You know, why why should you pay it off? Should you refinance your loans? Should you not refinance your loans? I've heard good things about White Coat Investor. I haven't, I read a little bit of their stuff. I wasn't really all subscribed because it's some, some of the stuff is more conservative than I tend to be. So I didn't really, I didn't really vibe with it too much. What else did I like? There's, if you're into real estate, I would say if you want to learn how to do real estate, there's a bigger pockets. I plan on possibly next year buying a place with multiple units to rent out to other residents. That's my goal. We'll see if I meet it. I'll check back with you in a year. Oh, okay. Um, Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, there's multiple ways to, to have multiple incomes. I think it's good to think about it and Glad you asked that question. Yeah, definitely. I know real estate is something where it's like a whole other ball game, but it's definitely something that, you know, we should all, it's like completely educating myself on something completely like new, you know, mm-hmm. so it takes mm-hmm. a lot of reading and educating and, and then also yeah. like just putting your mind together with others. And, who know. and that may not, that may not be the best option for everybody. If, if you're, you know, like if you're into 
learning about it, if you can deal with contractors, if you can, you know, be okay with having a manager or things like that, then it's more for, it's not for everybody. I will say that because I do have an uncle who's in that field and I've kind of learned a little bit from him just watching, but there is a learning curve to it. But I, I think that anybody can learn it. And I did have this mentor as a medical student who did give us this great, phenomenal talk on how to become financially free and how to use real estate to do that. And I was really inspired by that talk. And that's actually what kind of got me kicked off, kickstarted on the whole real estate idea and learning more about it. And, uh, you know, once you're a physician, you do qualify for some better options uh, when you are looking for getting your first home or, you know, getting a home that you can rent out to other residents or things like that. So I, I think resident for residency, I think, you know, even having getting like a multi-unit place and renting out to your co-residents or interns that are coming in, that's a great idea for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. totally. I could talk about this for another hour, just this topic we're talking about. Yeah. So. Okay, well, I really enjoyed having you on, but I do have one more question for you. Any last tips or any last kind of words of advice or anything that you want, you would like to leave my Millennial Doc listeners with today? Yeah, I think for Millennial Docs, for people who are going through the medical profession, I think it's important to have a vision and an idea for your future and not to be intimidated by what everybody else is doing. If you have an idea or a vision or a goal in mind and you're not sure that you're going to be able to do it because, you know, you know, there's a conventional way of doing things. There's a cookie cutter way of doing things. I really encourage you to try and like destroy that limiting belief and try to step out of that. And you know, if there are other ideas that you haven't been open to in the past and, you know, you've kind of been skeptical about, give them a chance. Be open to growth. Be open to taking chances and taking risks, especially early in your career. Be open to building that, that practice that you dream of or be able to be open to going after that unique job that you want or becoming that healthcare innovator that you want or doing that thing that you think might be a huge risk. And I think it's good to take those chances, you know, strategically, of course, early in your career. Awesome. So destroy that limiting belief and take those risks. I seriously enjoyed having you on today. And hey guys, we really thank you so much for tuning in today. Let us know what you loved. We really want to hear what you loved and what your takeaways are from this episode. So tag at Dr. Nicoletta and Dr. Rami.do Instagram. And we would just love to hear what you liked. And also just make sure you go check out Dr. Webby's podcast. So it's called Beyond Medicine, what you need to know about medicine, health, and beyond, brought to you by doctors, experts, and thought leaders. It was so much fun, and thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Millennial Doc Podcast. I am so thankful for your support and hope you receive inspiration today to discover a better you, better health, and your best life. It would mean the world to me if you can take a second to share this episode with someone you think would love it. For free resources and inspiration, head over to drnicoletta.com and make sure to follow Millennial Doc Podcast on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes. And it would mean so much to me if you left a five-star review of the show. As always, step out with confidence and rock your life.